thanks to our sponsor, ShareGate. Microsoft Teams can be a great tool for your organization. That is, before your users make your environment messier than eating a hard shell taco. And that's where ShareCake comes in. Their user-friendly tools automate the tedious daily tasks involved in migrating, managing, and securing Microsoft Teams so that you can maintain a safe and productive environment without locking it down. Head over to ShareGate.com for your free 30-day trial and transform the way that you manage your Microsoft Teams. This is the Microsoft Cloud Show, episode 431. Today, CJ and I are going to cover Microsoft Teams, acquisitions, HoloLens, and the disappearing cloud. Recorded live October the 14th, 2021. This episode is brought to you by Raygun. Are you under increasing pressure to ship code faster than ever before? Then it's time to work smarter with Raygun's modern approach to error and performance monitoring. Raygun gives you instant visibility into the health of your software. And what makes it so unique is that not only it tells you when something's gone wrong, it shows you exactly where it's gone wrong and how to fix it right down to the line of code. Made by developers for developers, Raygun has built a suite of monitoring tools that are used and loved by thousands of software teams every day. Monitor every corner of your tech stack with widespread language support and native integrations with GitHub, Jira, Slack, Bitbucket, Octopus Deploy, and more for even greater visibility. Visit raygun.com to resolve issues faster and to deliver flawless digital experiences to your users. That's raygun.com to get started on your 14-day free trial with plans starting from as little as $4 per month. Back to the show. Hey, hey, CJ. How you doing? I'm doing good. And yourself? Not bad. Disappearing clouds. Sounds ominous. Well, it hasn't disappeared yet, but what would happen if it did? If one of the biggest data centers in the world was like Kaiser Sose, it just, <laughs> it didn't exist. It all of a sudden didn't exist. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. We will get to that in a bit. But first, hey, what's new with you? What you been up to this week? Oh, rocking along. We're doing a whole bunch of garden work in the at our house. So we've got contractors running around with wheelbarrows full of dirt. All sorts of things are flying every which way. It's chaos. Chaos, I tell you. Yeah, it's like a bunch of development. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So uh, no, that's going on in the background. I'm keeping mostly clear of that. Fortunately, just keeping an eye on things every once in a while. But uh, yeah, kind of gearing up for some... Um, sort of end of year wrap up, really. I'm going to Canada in November for um, for a little bit of R&R. So that's good. Getting a bit mm. of planning for that. And then heading to Hawaii in December for a little bit of a long weekend kickback. So I'm currently sort of very much looking forward to that before we get into the real doom and gloom of winter here. Man, you got, this sounds like a, a nice... Nice bunch of plans you got set there. I'm not even. I'm not even able to look past that. Just feel like all of a sudden the last, <laughs> like the last two three weeks has been. I've just been like absolutely swamped with work. But I'm looking forward to let's. I, I'm looking forward to December the first, which is kind of like all right. Once I get mm. past the end of November, then I feel like oh, what's on the other side? But for now, I don't really know what that is. So now this week I did a. I launched a new email course, free email course on mm. Voitanos. You know, since I started doing this SharePoint framework course. I have a paid video course. I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard me mention before, but I have gotten at least once a week, if not usually multiple times a week, people asking, what is the SharePoint framework? What can I use it for? Where can I use it? Why should I care at all about this? And from a developer point of view, they're like, what can I build? What, What solutions does it solve? So I finally was like, you know what? Look, to be completely transparent, it's a great way to get to broaden our my audience. Um, but to also to answer the question that people are looking for. So I wrote, spent time over the last couple of weeks 
finally planned it out and finally implemented it and did a brand new email course. And I did this one as a little bit different than my last one. What it covers is it answers all those questions. And then you can build these and these and these, and here's where they can be used. And you can use them in SharePoint or in Teams or in Viva Connections and all that. And then where do you go to get started and all that stuff. So the idea is, is that once you run through the course, if you're a developer, you can go sit in a meeting and with a customer and say, and be able to answer the question, this this is exactly what the SharePoint framework's for. And I could at least design a system or a solution to a business problem on a cocktail napkin. I may not be able to build it just yep. yet, but I can I at least can speak intelligently about it. This one was fun though, because I did it as a, uh, what's called a, like a self-paced course so that it's eight lessons. You get a new lesson every day for eight days, but you've got a homework assignment at the end that only takes about two or three minutes to do. And if you do your homework, you get tomorrow's lesson within about five minutes. So nice. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It's fun to set up. But if anybody's interested in learning more about the SharePoint framework, I got a link to it in the show notes. It's called Explore and Evaluate the SharePoint Framework. And it is um, it's completely free, no obligation. You just got to plug your name and your email address in. And the first lesson shows up within a couple of minutes. Brilliant. Brilliant. Nicely done. Um, yeah. Thank you. So we have uh, got a little bit of news we want to cover today, got some fun picks, uh, got a bigger article we want to kind of run through as well. Real quick, though, I do have two what's new with Microsoft 365 things that I want to throw out there that I want to, I want to make sure we cover real quick that yeah. we're in the message center. The first one is message center 289965, and it's about uh, Microsoft 365 records management. So what they're doing is, is to improve the consistency of the user experience between OneDrive and SharePoint, the behavior of any retention label that's been set to retain items for a specific period in SharePoint will change to allow users to, quote, delete the document, and it'll then be preserved in the preservation hold library until the specified retention period expires. They got a bunch of feedback on this, and they added, this is the capability that they added to configure this behavior for your tenant. So by default, this is going to be turned on, but you'll be able to configure this to where it will now be uh, turned off as well. You have an option to turn this on or off. So this will start rolling out in November and be done by the end of November, 2021. Gotcha. The other one is an update to the Microsoft 365 Compliance Center Core eDiscovery. This is Message Center 291088. They're going to be retiring the option to search by ID list. It wasn't functioning at an adequate level and create significant challenges for organizations who depend on a consistent and repeatable results for e-discovery workflow. So they're going to get rid of it. <laughs> they're like, we tried, we tried, we tried. We can't get this right. We're just going to nix it. Okay, bye. <laughs> so those are the two quick ones about e-discovery and records management that I had. So Nice. What do you say we start diving into the news this week? Yeah, let's do it. All right. This episode is sponsored by Geomont. Have you thought about adding contact center capabilities into your existing Microsoft Teams user base? If so, take advantage of our promo to add BuzzEasy Contact Center for Teams from Geomont and get your first month subscription for free. It's a complete omni-channel experience that works seamlessly with Teams Voice. BuzzEasy was developed with best practices in Azure and offers a rich, easy-to-use experience. Geomont is a Microsoft Gold partner and part of the technology adoption program, and their BuzzEasy chatbot solution for Microsoft Teams has been chosen as a preferred solution on the Microsoft App Store. See the show notes for details around our special offer. This podcast is brought to you by Orchestry. Don't be fooled. 
Microsoft Teams and SharePoint are difficult. Microsoft Teams, when simply turned on, can be unruly and yield endless sprawl. SharePoint causes constant frustration with user interface and permissioning challenges. End the chaos and harness the full power of Microsoft Teams, SharePoint Online, and Microsoft 365 with Orchestry. Orchestry is the work-made simple platform that empowers end users through controlled self-service provisioning while delivering the actionable insights and lifecycle management your IT administrators need to enable remote and hybrid work productivity without locking down the powerful capabilities of Microsoft Teams and SharePoint Online. See why so many are claiming Orchestry to be the must-have Microsoft Teams management tool of 2021. Get your free access to Orchestry with full featured trial at orchestry.com and tell them the Microsoft Cloud Show sent you to get the all the friends of the show perks. And we're back. All right, first thing we got here, really quick, guess what? Microsoft Ignite is coming up. It's right around the corner. It is yet another virtual conference. It is going to be yet more content, probably pre-recorded, probably a bunch of live recordings as well that everyone will be able to tune in and take a look at. Won't have to drop any money on this, but yet again, we get yet another virtual conference coming from Microsoft, which is kind of funny because we keep hearing them say things about everyone's got virtual conference fatigue, yet I think that the biggest producer of virtual conferences <laughs> is coming from the one that keeps saying we have virtual We're conference on Microsoft. fatigue. So this is yeah. going to be going on November the 2nd through the 4th in 2021. So you can go register and sign up for it right away and live for three or four days inside of Microsoft Teams yet again. Yeah, I had... This had slipped my mind, you know. I just, I guess, I just hadn't realized it was coming around so quick. And uh, but here we are, we're less than what a couple of weeks out from it, three weeks yep. away, and we'll be tuning in for all the big news. Yeah. So that's the big one we got here. Anyway, that's well, not the big one. That's just a big event coming up here. So, how about you? What do you? I've got some Azure stuff here, but I see you've got some other stuff as well. Do you want to? Uh, you want to start? Kick us off. Sure. I'll start with some Microsoft 365 news. Microsoft has acquired or is acquiring Ally, which is expands Viva into employee goal management. That's long-winded for they bought a company that does OKRs. OKRs. So OKRs, objectives and key results. It's like a uh, it's a goal setting and, and performance management framework. Not performance mm. management framework. Goal setting and and sort of work, I guess. Like, you know what KPIs are, right? It's yeah. the fancy KPI. They <laughs> had to the rename it. So, so instead of customer success, customer service, it's now customer success, kind of that thing? That's sort of, yeah. Actually, Google Google were the ones that sort of popularized, is that a word? Mm-hmm. Uh, made this popular, how they structure their work and manage it and things like that. Anyway, it's gained a lot of OKRs of goal management has have gained a ton of popularity in the last few years. And so Microsoft have bought this company that does that to get it into Teams for Viva. My guess here is we'll see more of these kinds of things, little sort of point type solutions added to Viva to beef out its to beef out its value proposition to people as Microsoft tries to justify what actually Viva is as opposed to <laughs> its SharePoint in a window in Teams yeah. and a few other bits and pieces. So yeah, they're adding more sort of more what you'd call like point type solutions like this to flesh it out all about, you know, how the Viva are talking about the employee experience platform, right? They want to be this great platform for employees, new way of work, you know, in this remote world and blah, 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 blah. And so part of that is goal management. And so, okay, I was 
they've uh, decided to go add some of that goodness. I actually think it's kind of cool. Like I quite like OKRs and nice to see some out of the box stuff. I'm not sure how it's going to impact partners though. There's quite a few companies that do this as part of sort of larger offerings. I'm not sure how they're going to feel about this, especially if Microsoft's trying to get them to, you know, bet on teams and do more integration with teams. That whole yeah. cooperation, competitor, coopetition kind of thing. It's interesting. It's an interesting move. And I mean, I know that I know that there's people that are interesting interested about this. You know, Microsoft is I wonder how much of a request they get from their customers, the enterprises that are using Teams for something like this. Versus, I wonder how that fits on and how the needle kind of falls with how much they want this for their organization. And so they think that everybody else wants it. Like Teams more and more feels like the app that I know a lot of organizations benefit from it, but Microsoft built it for them. They built it to solve their email addiction problem. Or at least that's the way I see it. And now it's just this thing that now they have this hammer that everything looks like a nail. They're going to go start beating it around. So I, I wonder how much of this OKR stuff is, is really, they want to be able to track it automatically inside of Teams to make life a little bit easier. And I wonder how many others are actually going to need this. So I, I don't know. Yeah, no idea. We will see. But yeah, Microsoft buying up a few bits and bobs. Cool. I stumbled across a webcast series, speaking about virtual events, from Microsoft Azure. They are rolling out this, they have this PaaS webcast series that they're doing. It's about integrating end-to-end solutions with Microsoft Azure. There's some topics in this that I found kind of interesting. I signed up for it. I watched the first one, or at least I watched the first part of the first one and kind of was a little busy and didn't really pay too much attention to it, but it was much more, I guess what I like about the ones that I've seen so far with this, or the one that I saw is that it's very much like some dude on Twitch that... I'm tuning in and he's kind of walking through coding stuff. So it's not your classic like breakout session from a conference where it's just a bunch of slideware and stuff. He's actually doing stuff. It was almost just like a lot, like tune in. We're just going to do demos the whole time. So it wasn't a lot of slides, but don't, if the rest of them are like this, don't expect something like super polished. It was a good story the guy did, but it was just, um, it was much more like a screencast. So gotcha. the first one that I tuned into was last week is extend applications with Azure Functions and API Management, but there's a couple other ones I thought were interesting. There's four, three more coming up, one on October the 26th, one on October the 19th. That's weird. The sorting is kind of is odd there. And one on November the 2nd, they're going to talk about building modern apps with the distributed application runtime, Dapper. That's on no, October 26th. Connecting applications together with Logic Apps and Event Grid. That's on October the 19th. And then deploying app infrastructure as code, that's on November the 2nd. So these are all completely free. You can go sign up for. I'm interested to see the last three where they talk about Dapper, Logic Apps, and deploying infrastructure as code. I'm familiar with all that stuff, but I want to see how they talk about and how they're positioning it. So I've signed up for these. I'm looking forward to tuning in. Nice. Okay, I'm going to continue the theme on Teams here for a second. So Teams is rolling out a new modern search result page coming in preview soon. But okay, here's the interesting thing. It's from a guy, the post is from a guy who has his differentiator after his name. You know how, in, in, I don't know if you know about this, but at Microsoft, sometimes there's so many people of a particular name that you put like, it's called the differentiator. After your name, you can put like a little quick sort of eight character thing after your name. So like you could put like Office 365 or Windows or something like that. This one is from a guy who's got his differentiator as Link, L-Y-N-C. Remember that name? Oh, my God. <laughs> Who's talking about Teams. So if there was ever a doubt about 
who's working on what? <laughs> the, the shit, clear that up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's sort of an aside. That was just a funny little side thing I saw. The other funny little side thing I saw is the post is called Teams Modern Search Results Page, and then in brackets, S-E-R-P is coming soon to preview. And I'm like, S-E-R-P? That's not an acronym for Teams Modern Search Result Page. Where's the E? <laughs> I mean, I get the S and the R and the P, the search and result page, but there's an E thrown in there for some reason. And I it's, don't know why. That's a common co- uh, metric that they use in like SEO stuff. So I wonder if they're trying to like, you know, play to that audience. Oh, maybe. Trying yeah, to get some SEO score. goo in there. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, huh. so aside from the oddities, well, there's a couple of other oddities about this article, but the meat and the potatoes of it, uh, this new sort of search landing experience coming in Teams where you can essentially you know, pivot between messages, people, files, type results. It'll deal with like acronyms and bookmarks and searching by relevancy and all this sort of stuff. People tabs, so you could filter just to the just to people that you're looking for. Same thing with files. This post may have been sent a little bit too soon because it says flighting status. So for so for those not familiar with Microsoft internal names for things, flighting is like how they're going to release it, which customers are going to get it first and where it goes and the how it rolls out, so how it's flighted. It has a whole bunch of detail about flighting status. <laughs> Two words, coming soon. <laughs> so I'm not sure if that means the flighting status is coming soon, he's going to tell us how it's going to be rolled out, or that it's just coming soon as a feature. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. That's unclear. So anyway, yeah, new search results page in Teams. I don't know about you, but I find Teams infuriating to find something. It's just so bad. I have had a very bad Teams week in the last like, well, just this calendar week in the last few days. I've had three major things that have driven me crazy. Number one, search doesn't work. It's just not, it's not useful. Another one was that I got into a discussion with someone on uh, Twitter about you've got like three or four different accounts that you're signed in, that you signed into Teams with, but you're across like 10 different tenants. And they, they're like, you know, someone sends me a message and I can't ever figure out where that message is from. And I miss stuff all the time. This is frustrating as hell. I'm like, you know what I do? I just go to every single tenant and I simply say, I set myself to perpetually showing as offline. I don't have my presence show anything legitimate on there. And then I put an out of office or I put a status message on that says, I'm never signed into Teams. If you want to reach me, here's my email address. And I declared bankruptcy. And it's funny because I mentioned that on, on Twitter and like all these people are like, oh my God, I'm so doing this. Like, yeah. That's kind of surprising. And of course, it's funny because when I go sign into one of these other tenants, like I have a, a Microsoft vendor account. When I sign into the micro- that account, I go into Teams and I have like three or four like private messages. I go look at them and they are all from messages that someone ultimately emailed on. So it's totally working. Like it's, right. <laughs> I'm thrilled with it. And then I had another one where um, I found out that apparently if you are a guest of the Microsoft tenant and you've been added to a team, those teams are effectively Hotel California because the Microsoft tenant is set up to where guests cannot leave a team on their own. They have to send a message to the team mm-hmm. owners and ask them to remove them for you. So you can check out anytime you like, but you can never leave. <laughs> nice. It's really frustrating, but at any rate. Yeah, I think uh, search sucks as well. So we're done with you on that. Hey, any chance you slept soundly throughout the night of October the 13th? Probably. 
Okay. Then it is most likely that you are not on pager duty for your uh, virtual machines or other things inside of Azure because around midnight on October 13th, they got knocked out with about an eight-hour outage for all Windows-based virtual machines and globally, not just one uh, region, and services that depended upon them, such as Azure DevOps. Microsoft has announced or they said that you know, everything has been mitigated. But the challenge, the problem that it really came down to was, quote, a required artifact version data could not be queried. It was a Facebook BGP engineer, wasn't it? <laughs> it's like, poof, they, could, they were never there. Yeah, these are not they the pulled, VMs you're looking for. They pulled the Kaiser Sosei, so. Brutal. Man, that yeah. sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That is really bad. What? That is so strange, too. One, I don't know what this missing artifact is, like... It's BGP called, route, maybe? No, no, it's called the VM guest agent could not be queried from the repository. But that knocks out all Windows only mm-hmm. virtual machines. So there's that so weird. You would think if it's with something that is that single point of failure that it would have yeah. a fallback to where if I can't query, then I should just keep going on. Right? How strange. In light of not receiving a conflicting message, still fire your nukes. Anyway. Right. Right. Interesting. Yeah. That sort of sucks for VM, Windows VM customers. All right. I am going to follow up with one more bit of Office 365 or Microsoft 365 news. Here's a tweet from a chap called Carl Necht. Remember how Microsoft was getting away from user voice and then didn't provide a great alternative? Yes. MC289676. Announcing Microsoft Feedback Portal for Microsoft 365 and Microsoft Edge. So they are essentially creating a new feedback portal based on the much-loved, world-renowned Dynamics 365 customer service product to gather feedback. So instead of using something that the rest of the world (laughs) uses... They come up with something new. Now, don't get me wrong. I say that sort of tongue-in-cheek a little bit because obviously user voice for whatever reason wasn't up to snuff for what they wanted or they weren't able to integrate it well enough with their other systems or something. I don't know. Or it could be some weird internal Microsoft reason. I really don't know. But anyway, they're launching some new portal. This is just for Microsoft 365 and Microsoft Edge at this point. So I don't know. Some other team will come up with some other portal or maybe they'll get on the bandwagon with this one too. Who knows? Man, no, everybody's doing their own thing. I mean, you get with Microsoft 365, you have like a feedback loop that you can submit, but only through the message center or through the um, office, sorry, the Microsoft 365 admin center. So effectively, they only want feedback if you're a customer, which I understand that. But yeah, now everything is like, okay, well, how do you guys do it? And how do you guys do it? And how do you guys do it? Instead of just like a central, like, here's how the company does it. Yeah. There was some stuff that when this came out about like user voice that, and Microsoft was leaving it. I heard some behind the scenes kind of stuff that was, you know, effectively they there was some privacy thing and Microsoft just kind of grabbed their ball and went home. The user voice guys are like, why are you guys leaving? And they said this whole reason they go, we'll build that feature for you, but they left anyway. So mm. I wonder if I understand not wanting, if the mindset is people giving us feedback and giving us feature ideas and stuff, we don't want that on somebody else's platform because that's inform- that's kind of like proprietary information for us. I get that. I mean, maybe it's all you public don't want... anyway. Well, that you could go scrape the hell out of it and still figure it out. But yeah, I yeah, it's weird. Maybe it won't be all public. 
in the future. Maybe that's part, maybe that was the feature. It will be disappearing. Uh, anyway, it's bound to uh, bound to be hard to find. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Hey, do you remember the army? How they had they had nailed that contract or inked that contract when Microsoft worked up worth up to twenty two billion uh, earlier this year to start building the game changing headsets using Hololens. Yes, mm. I do. Make sure your seatbelts are fastened because. <laughs> the army has stopped it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember at the time us saying things like, I just, how's this going to work? Like, they're pretty bulky and problematic. So, I don't Have you seen that? If you look at the photo of this person wearing in the article that we're linking to, wearing this, it's obviously a very custom version yeah. of HoloLens. But have you, you, like, you see the soldier and you're like, man, they look pretty cool. And then you see this enormous power cord being stuck into their temple, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Do you see that cord? It's huge. <laughs> it's like a 20 gigawatt cable. I don't know where that's going. Probably some ludicrously, extraordinarily heavy battery pack or something. I'm really not sure. I read this article and although they don't disclose, although they don't disclose the exact reasons why they're putting a halt on it, which will probably become clear in due course, yeah. comments suggest to indicate that there have been some questions about the maturity of at least some portions of the technology. Mm. That reading between the lines to me, that very much sounds like cool idea. Practicalities of it were BS. Yeah. Sales guy did really good job. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have to give his commission back, his or her commission back. That was, uh, yeah. that was kind of brutal. So who knows? I mean, I guess we'll see what, what's happening, but, there's also a HoloLens up on ISS right now. Have you seen some of the photos I, of astronauts? I did. Them? Yeah, I did. That's, that is cool. The only quote in here that actually gives you any kind of an indication of what's going on was something, somebody from the Office of the Assistant Secretary for the Ar- of the Army for uh, Acquisition, Logistics, and Technology, who said, quote, we're essentially doing a reset of that program, figuring out what is the appropriate timeline and where is the technology. And the yeah. where is the technology? That's a little interesting, but apparently an early prototype was simply not rugged enough for operational use, with one iteration notably unable to work in the rain. That's further down in the article. Well, I guess that's okay when we're doing wars in the Middle East, but yeah. Outside of the outside of the desert area. Yeah, I don't know. Curious. Hmm. We'll see if that starts back up, but that's not looking good for HoloLens. No, it's not. You got anything else for us before we? I have one more article I was going to run out, run through. Sure, I'll just real quick. I don't know all the details of this, but we'll link to it in the show notes. Microsoft and Nvidia have teamed up to train one of the world's largest language models for natural language understanding or natural language processing (NLP). Right? Apparently, this new model contains 530 billion parameters and achieves unmatched accuracy in a broad set of natural language tasks. Wow! So, um. Microsoft are plowing a ton of effort into language comprehension, reasoning, and inferences on what you mean when you say something in natural language, hmm. which is great because, you know, Cortana was never that good at it. So maybe this will be her, the follow-up to Cortana will be based on this new model. Who knows? That'll be interesting. The army might be interested to find out about that one. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse than say, reload my weapon. I'm sorry, what did you say? <laughs> Reload my weapon. I'm sorry, I can't do that right now. Huh, I didn't catch that. 
Can you try again? Uh, sorry, yeah, I didn't catch that. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the weather in your region. <laughs> God damn it! It's raining bullets. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh. Maybe hey, those two uh, worlds will collide. <laughs> that sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. Speaking of disasters, I have a great article for us. <laughs> Good tra- great, tra- great transition. So there's this guy that I started following on Twitter a couple of, uh, about a year or two ago named Corey Quinn. He is by far one of the totally knows what he's doing, but he does a absolutely fantastic job trolling the hell out of AWS and their when they do keynotes and stuff. Like it is worth watching an AWS keynote and then just popping up his feed just to watch it, watch his his tweets coming out. <laughs> so he has a tweet that he posted. He says, quote, one of hands down. One of the most sobering conversations I've ever had was with a bunch of very savvy investment bankers about what exactly a total failure of US East 1 would look like economically. The best case outcome closely resembled a global depression. Now that prompted somebody by the name of Tim Bray. You may be familiar with that guy, who that is. Tim Bray, he's one of the co-authors of the original XML specification. He worked for AWS for six years until he quit due to concerns with the termination of whistleblowers. He's worked for Google, DEC, mm. for Sun Microsystems, bunch of guys, bunch of people. So, so what you're saying is he's to blame for XML. He, yeah, he's the blame for XML. It's funny because you go to his site, like, how do, what's your email address? He's like, it's been published on the homepage, on, on the front page of the, of the XML specification paper. I think that you guys can find it. <laughs> So he wrote this article called Worst Case, and it's the first paragraph is great. It's very tongue in cheek. So he's, he's very, he's pretty funny about this. Quote, suppose you're running your organization's crucial apps in the cloud, specifically, suppose you're running them on AWS, and in particular, in the US East One region. Could US East One go away? What might you do about it? Let's, let's see if I can say this right. Let's catastrophize. Catastrophize. Yeah, nicely done. <laughs> yeah. So basically, he goes in and talks about what happens if it completely, if US East 1 completely disappears. He's got a a bunch of really good things that are in this. He talks about how the conservative estimates today is that US, about 30% of all internet traffic goes through US East 1. So could it completely just disappear? Could it completely go offline? And he goes through a couple different scenarios. There's a terrestrial disaster. So what about like a late summer hurricane that somehow doesn't hit Florida or Texas and instead goes up the East Coast and gets really strong and then enters in to the United States Eastern Seaboard just south of Washington, D.C. and savages anywhere that's within driving distance of the Dulles Airport, like multiple inches of rain. So all the waterways are flooded. What would? Ha- how much should you actually be worried about this? He talks about what about an extraterrestrial disaster? Before you start thinking aliens, this one is a little more believable here. So he quotes somebody on Twitter who knows this stuff, a high-level high crypto, cryptographic and security Googler, and quote, she knows what she's talking about. She said, all, her name is Sophie, Sophie Schmidt, Schmieg, I think. All you need is a large solar storm timed right. And by the way, we're overdue for one and our modern technology has never experienced a Carrington-sized event. This is why you keep backups in two hemispheres. What a Carrington Mm. event is a major solar storm or a coronal mass ejection. And the last one that happened was in 1859 and severely disrupted the world's telegraph system for about eight hours. So another option right there. He goes into other ones like 
What about labor unrest? What about an AWS software or operational failure? AKA, what if DNS disappears? It's always BGP. DNS. Or BGP. What about war? What about enemy action? What about a public legal risk? Right? How do you survive this? So he goes through and concludes what about the, domestic the article terrorism. With, oh, yeah. Do, here? Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah, he's, it's one of the, uh, that's part of the civil unrest. We're probably not going to lose US East One. I'm not absolutely 100% sure that any of these scenarios are even worth talking about in a strictly economic sense. But if I were running a big, important app, I wouldn't be able to not think about it. So it's a fun read. It's a bit of a doomsday cloud read, but it's pretty cool. It's interesting. I've totally got a backup plan. I'm going to base everything in US West One, and I'm going to avoid catastrophe. (laughs) (laughs) I just plan on putting everything on a boatload of four terabyte hard drives and sending them over to Asia and just being like, somebody get ready. <laughs> yeah. There's a service. Maybe I could take them all to New Zealand and stick them in a, in a uh, safe for everybody down there. Data backup. You have to tie them onto the ground so they don't fall off though. Yeah, exactly. And it <laughs> takes a really long time to restore. <laughs> Store from it. it takes a really long time to tell them to restore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Anyway. Oh yeah. Cool. Well, radio. You want to do some fun picks? Let's do it. ACs Voitanos delivers on-demand video-based training for developers on the latest SharePoint extensibility model from Microsoft in his course, Mastering the SharePoint Framework. Back to the show. Mr. Johnson, you have a pick for us this week. I do. It's a doozy. Uh There is a campground who uses a reservation system on its Atari ST computer still running after 36 years i bet it would survive an electrical storm (laughs) very well may if it does probably survived a number of it in its day to the adage don't fix it if it ain't broke (laughs) there is a a chap who runs a campground it's still running 24 7 from april to october as it's done every year since 1985 I guess that's their season. Must be their, they must be closed over the over the winter or what have you. Mm-hmm. So Franz, who's the guy who wrote his own software for it, and you know, you know how this goes. Companies that write their own software, people that write their own software never upgrade it, right? So he's just like, it's perfect. My code yeah. is perfect. Why would I want to touch it? Yeah, and it has one full megabyte of RAM. Not bad. I'm guessing he spent so much money on this computer when he first opened the campground or wrote it, that he can't bring himself to replace it. I mean, you think about it. He doesn't have to worry about somebody hacking into this thing. He doesn't have to worry about somebody using this for like crypto mining. He doesn't have to worry about, you know, a Windows update gone bad. True. So, I mean, he's not concerned about the start menu moving from left to right to disappearing the back to the center and all. He's not concerned with that stuff. Yeah. Still working. Mm -hmm. I mean... I don't know what happens if his computer gives out. It's not like he's going to be able to just, I don't know what his backup plan is. Did they do backups back then? Probably not. I don't know. Maybe he prints it out on a dot matrix printer every night. So he's got a backup of the bookings or something. I don't know. Most of this, usually videos like this are things that you would just dismiss, but especially with the little tagline at the bottom of it that says he wrote his own software. But the fact that the thing is used daily from 1985 to 2021, I mean, we're sitting 36 years on that. Yeah. 37? No, no, 30, 
Yeah, 36 years. Yeah. There is actually a comment here from a guy called Dan who says, that's awesome, but I'd like to see his business continuity plan if the Atari, <laughs> if the Atari doesn't boot one day. Looks like you can get them off eBay still, but you'd be out for a few days while you get a replacement. At least with a USB drive, it's easy to keep everything backed up. There you go. I wonder if it's. Uh, I wonder if we could containerize this and put it in uh, as an ACI in, uh, in Azure. Yeah. And, uh, What's the baseline image? Windows, Linux, or whatever this Atari ST is running on. <laughs> the guys that did like Alpine are probably like, you know, yeah, we were at the beginning of time. And like, this comes out going, yeah, we got nothing. We got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> not with a megabyte of memory, you don't. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. One Good meg. find. Not one gig. One meg. Well, I mean, he could restore that in New Zealand pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. So this this follows on from the, there's links in the article to go, if you didn't catch the episode where we talked about having to use floppy drives to update a Boeing 747's internal software, there's a link to it from this as well, as well as an Amiga running a school's HVAC system. It's okay if the kids die of overheating, but not if people can't get their campground booking. That's a good find, man. Yeah. Cool. I finished a book about a week or two ago that actually a little bit longer ago, but anyway, I finished a book recently that I thought was awesome. So the same guy, Andy Weir, that wrote The Martian that I know a lot of people think, oh, movie, but the book was, the movie was fantastic, but the book, the, the movie was so, or sorry. The book was better. The movie was great. The book was, in, was absolutely fantastic. This is called Hail Mary. It's called Project Hail Mary, this new book. It's really good. When I first started reading it, I actually stopped. I read for about like, I think I read like 20 or 30 minutes. And then I stopped and I went to go read something else instead because I was like, ah, this is a little, this seems like a little too far out there. I'm not really sure I want to dive into this. I finally went back to it and oh my God, it is, it's awesome. So a guy wakes up in a coma. He doesn't know who he is or where he is. But after a mix of calculations, deductions, and slowly returning memories, he gets he's enlightened that he's a high school, is a junior high school science teacher on a small spaceship, and his mission is to save Earth. It doesn't sound like from that, it's just kind of like that seems a bit generic. It is really creative. It is huh. really good. I had a hard time. It was one of those books. I only read stuff like this at night when I'm when I get in bed ready to go to bed. And this kept me up many nights reading it. I was absolutely loving it. So awesome. I'd give it three thumbs up, but I can only give it two. So right on. I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Guy's my favorite author right now. Very cool. Very cool. That sounds enjoyable. My that, do you think it's kid appropriate? There's a little bit of language like the Martian. That's not so bad. Like, did your kids uh, watch The Martian or read The Martian? No, I don't think I don't think they have seen it yet. No, they're okay with swearing. They've got me as a parent. <laughs> okay, that's the way I see it too. My kids, my kids know French. They know they're not allowed to practice French, but no, they know it. Yeah, there you go. There's, I was like, there are words that are that adults use to express very adult feelings, and you're not an adult, so you can't use those feelings. And then my son busts one out, and I was like, actually, that was a really good use of it. But anyway, <laughs> ten points. That you yeah, unlocked. Correct use. She of the is. Perfect timing. I think so. I think that there is, there's nothing, there's language, but I don't think there's anything inappropriate. I can't think of anything inappropriate in it. Cool. There is a little bit of talk about sex, a very small bit of talk about sex, and a very small bit of talk about drugs. 
Uh, that's not so bad. Yeah, but like, go cool that. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's fantastic. I don't know if you're thinking your son, but my son's going to definitely dive into. It. He can't. He can't wait to to read it after I told him about it. Cool. Well, my son is a voracious reader. He'll probably read. He reads books in a couple of days, two three days usually, and so I'll get him to do the. I, on the other hand, am a completely slow reader, so he'll read it and give me the summary, and then uh, I can decide if I. <laughs> decide if I could make it all the way through it. It takes me a long time to read a book. It does me as well. It's funny because that's the same in my house. My son and my daughter blaze through books when I'm slow, but make sure you give it enough of a chance at the beginning that don't just don't bail on it too quickly. And then also it's very much a like it jumps back and forth. Like it's like present day and uh, then yeah. it goes back to talk about how he got there and you get like pieces as his memories come back to him. So it, you kind of see like how he how you remember stuff. Jumps it's out. really cool though. Hmm. It's really cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yep. Right on. Good cool. Break. All right, man. Well, good to see you this week. Good to talk to everybody in the podcast of fear sphere. Listener sphere. Yeah. Yeah. We'll Listener talk to you next week. Absolutely. I'm sure there'll be another outage we can talk about. So I'll talk Woo. to you next week. <laughs> All right. Have a good one. Later, man. Did you like this episode? Please tweet about it and drop a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find out about our show and grow the audience, and we would really appreciate it. If you got a question for us, go to microsoftcloudshow.com slash questions, where you can submit it as text or record it as a wave or an MP3 and provide a link to it so that we can play your question on the show. You can also subscribe to us in Apple Podcasts, in the Google Play Store, Spotify, or your podcatcher of choice. And finally, sign up to our mailing list by heading over to our website, microsoftcloudshow.com. You'll get notices of each new episode as well as the show notes sent directly to you each week. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks for listening.